0: Your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: What is up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to this Thursday, March 11th edition of Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices and all of the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. And Brian Flores just had an offseason press conference. Literally just got off the call. I wanted to to holster today's show in case Brian Flores happened to share anything of, of interest. Uh, and I think there are some interesting things that we can dive into that Flores spoke about during his press conference today, virtually, of course, on Zoom with the South Florida media. First and foremost, Flores did acknowledge some coaching staff changes from Danny Crossman, the special teams coordinator, being named assistant head coach, to Eric Studsville and George Gotzi being confirmed as the co-offensive coordinators. Austin Clark taking over, coaching along the defensive line. Litany of changes for the Dolphins' offensive staff. Flores gave us the quote-unquote state of the union at the top of the press conference, talking about how they did a full deep dive uh, comprehensive evaluation and assessment of everything in the organization after the first two years of this regime. Coach Flores doubled down on the Dolphins' intent to work with Tua Tangvaloa. He said he had lunch with Tua yesterday. Tua is confident. Obviously, we've seen the work Tua Tangvaloa has been putting in uh, on the practice fields thus far this offseason. Uh, Coach Flores sounded enthusiastic. He-, he talked about you know extending to uh, all the young players on the team, the decision to retain Godsey and Studsville, it was rooted uh, to some degree in keeping terminology the same uh, or or preventing having to bring in a brand new playbook. He, they, they talked about how for the young players on the Dolphins offense, avoiding yet another opportunity to change the terminology and change the playbook was a factor that that was weighed in. Uh, he didn't give us too much as far as the, the mechanics of blending two coordinators together. I know that that's been a point of speculation for a lot of Dolphins fans. He, he mentioned that both co-offensive coordinators are well-versed and, and strong in both dynamics of offensive football. So really teased the collaborative effort there, which is exactly what you would expect from a Dolphins team. Flores also, and this was the most interesting dynamic of Flores' 26, whatever it was, minutes in which he he spoke with the media, he was asked about this time last year, the Dolphins were gearing up for a big spending spree in which they obviously spent a bunch of money. And without getting too much into detail, you know, what is the Dolphins' mentality going into free agency? And he obviously didn't give you anything of, of real substance or strategy or players. and You can't. But he did say that the messaging might be something along the lines of "you can't always get what you want," and I do think that that is interesting because it indicates that you know Miami and Flores made a huge point of emphasis to say we just got the cap number yesterday, so like we're restacking the deck, we we're reevaluating, and only now can start to really finalize what we want this free agency window to look like with a cap of one hundred eighty-two and a half million dollars. Of course, the Dolphins will have opportunities to manufacture and create more cap space if they want it, but how desperate they are to do that is not something we have a lot of clarity on at this point in time. And Brian Flores' messaging seems to give you the indication, I emphasize seems to give you the indication, that they're not going to move heaven and earth to manufacture a bunch of space, which I personally am all for. Uh, Winning in free agency is such a dangerous game, and I think Miami would be well served to have aspirations to add players and to sell some of the non-financial dynamics of coming to play for the Dolphins, playing for Coach Flores, playing for an ascending team, South Florida environment, positive team culture, no state income tax. These kinds of things you can help sell and maybe close the gap if a team is willing to throw an extra 2 or $3 million per year on top of what you're willing to offer. But don't get into the bidding wars. Avoid just throwing money and stacking dollars up on top to outbid offers. And let your process kind of let you find good value for your football team. It seems like the Dolphins have some aspirations. Brian Flores didn't say, no, you know, we're going to be fiscally responsible, we're going to be conservative. He said, you can't always get what you want. He talked about how some teams may come over the top and outbid. He said some players may ultimately fall in love with the idea of playing somewhere else, even if the Dolphins have them as a top target and are willing to pay them a fair or market value to bring them into the picture. So, maybe a middle ground... Which is, I think, where we all somewhat expected to see the Dolphins fall after how conservative they were in 2019, how aggressive they were in 2020. The dynamics of the reduced salary cap down to 82 and a half, which when you factor in carryover for the Dolphins is actually 197. They're sitting eighth in the NFL in cap space, but they've got a bunch of picks that they got to pay contracts to. So, no small cheer. The Dolphins will have the money available to them. To sign anybody that their heart desires, but can you get a full solid free agent class out of it? If you're going to do that, you may have to avoid paying a standout number one wide receiver. So I guess at the end of the day, the door swings both ways, right? You could say we want a really well developed, fleshed out free agent class, and you might not get that because you deem it is more important to nail down two big pieces and then rely on draft picks to fill in the rest and guys that are going to play for somewhere close to veterans minimum. Or you could say, I want two big fish, but we would rather go by the volume approach and bring in more bodies. I don't know what the answer is going to look like. The good news is we only got to wait another five, six days to find out exactly what it's going to look like. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service online for the last 20 years. So whether you're looking for engine control modules, brake parts, taillights, motor oil, or even new carpet for your classic or daily driver, RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few clicks, you can get everything you need delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, prices are the same at rockauto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why would you go anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit rockauto.com for all of your auto parts needs. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all of the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. We here on the Locked On Network have been pounding the table for Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on all the market. For quite a while now. Built Bar is an amazing low calorie. Low sugar. High protein. High fiber. Amazing tasting protein bar. With 100% chocolate on all of their bars. But now is the time to find out which is the best. Thanks to Built Bar Madness. Today we have two matchups. As Built Bar continues to throw down the gauntlet. And match their bars up against one another. In a March Madness style bracket. The two matchups today. Caramel brownie versus cherry barcia, and lemon almond cheesecake versus carrot cake with walnuts. Great showcase on all of the flavors that Built Bar has to offer. So to find out who wins, or to get yourself a box or ten of Built Bars for yourself, go to builtbar.com or at built underscore bar on Twitter. And remember to use the promo code Locked On twenty for twenty percent off your next order. We have finally made it. To that time which we can do defensive prospects the Dolphins should blacklist I've been looking forward to this show uh, for about a week now but now the time has finally come so if you look at the Dolphins depth chart I think you can point out a need on each of the three levels of the defense along the defensive line you can make the case for two the inside linebacker position slash the Kyle Van Noy roll and also nickel corner. So I want to start on the defensive line. And Devon Gottschall uh, set to hit the free agent market. I think the Dolphins have a reasonable chance of getting him back. Because all of the players available in the interior defensive line group, there's a lot of players that you can find that are replicatable skills to what Devon Godshall has to offer. And there's a ton of these players in this year's Like the early down... Run stuffing plugs. It sh- you should have zero problem finding a player to replace exactly what Devon Gottschall brings to the table. The question will be if Miami is going to prioritize a player that they know in Devon Gottschall versus bringing somebody else into the picture. What I would avoid at all costs, you look at some of the top names... Jonathan Hankins and Dominican Sue, Daquan Jones, Tyrone Crawford. These, these are guys that made significant amounts of money on their last contract. You should not be paying anybody for this role. This is you go to the Sashi Brown, uh, Paul De Podesta guidelines for how to build a team. If you haven't seen that, it's a really cool outline of like, this is our team building identity. And one of the things that they have on there is don't pay for depth. And whoever you bring in here, you're going to be paying as a depth player. So what I would endorse if I'm the Dolphins is I'm putting a, a dollar amount on this that is like $3 million, and I am not paying that guy, whoever it is. So anybody whose expectation is to receive more than $3 million, especially in this year's climate, I'm not paying them. So you can go through the list of interior defensive linemen, and I'll, I'll look for some that are relative fits for the Dolphins in free agency. Jaleel Johnson, Minnesota, 760 last or on his last contract, annual average salary. Derek Wolfe from Baltimore, $3 million, annual average salary. Carlos Watkins, Houston Texans. I mean, he his was seven hundred four thousand dollars was his last contract. Lawrence Guy from the Patriots, three point six million. Adam Butler from the Patriots, three point three million. Demarcus Walker from Denver, one point two. These are the players that like you should be interested in uh, if you're the Dolphins. It's a damn shame that Puna Ford from Seattle is a restricted free agent because he's not going to go anywhere. Xavier Williams, Cincinnati, $900,000. So, anybody who's asking you for 3 million plus, don't pay him. Just don't pay him because he's going to be a depth player for you and the Dolphins should not be in the business of paying high prices for depth players that are going to play vast majority of the, of the players that I just mentioned are playing between 45 and 30% of your defensive snaps. Pay accordingly. Flip over to the edge group. The Dolphins need somebody who can win some one-on-ones in their bid to catch the Buffalo Bills in the standings. I think we can safely cross off a number of names here. Matt Judon, who played last year on the franchise tag. Melvin Ingram. Bud Dupree, who played last year on the franchise tag. Shaq Barrett, who I believe last year played on the franchise tag. These guys were all $15 million plus in annual average salary on their last contract that they played on. I don't think Miami's going to sink that into the defensive side of the ball. you got to find better value. I'd blacklist them all. I'd blacklist Yannick Ngakwe at this point. Unrestricted free agent. Probably going to come out and get paid. I would love Yannick Ngakwe's pass rush skill set on the Dolphins' defense. I just don't think, financially speaking, it's a sound move to make. That is one of those... Brian Flores, you can't always get what you want type things. For me personally, not, not saying the Dolphins do have interest in Yannick Ngakwe. But we just have to be honest about the Dolphins cap situation. So any top shelf, top tier pass rushers, just assume they're off the list. So while we're here, you could even go down and look at names like Trey Hendrickson from New Orleans. Had like 12 and a half sacks last year. He's going to get paid. He's off the table for Miami. Unfortunately. Hassan Reddick, former first-round pick, had a huge blow-up this past year. His annual average salary on his rookie deal was $3.3 million. He's going to get paid. Romeo Aquara from Detroit would be a good fit from a stylistic standpoint, but he had a huge blow-up last year in a contract year. He's going to get paid. Who are some players that do make sense while we're here? I like Dewan Smoot, defensive end. From Jacksonville, kind of a quiet plus player as uh, in a rotational role. I think he could give you a lot of the same things. I'd be interested in Terrell Basham from the New York Jets. Long, big, physical—all those same boxes that like Shack Lawson checks. Terrell Basham checks too. Because the the conflict with that is he's not a standout pass rusher, and the Dolphins don't need depth at edge. They need standout pass rushers. So the team may be better off unless they're going to look at like a Marcus Golden who played on his annual average salary on his last deal was just over $4 million. So if they're going to bring a player like that into the picture. Maybe that's the happy medium. The other happy medium and the Dolphins have not gone in this direction yet. was hoping they kicked the tires on it with J.J. Watt and J.J. Watt ended up getting like $15 million per. Some of these veteran players, Ryan Kerrigan, Played 38% of the snaps last year. He's 33 years old. His annual average salary was 11.5. Give that guy a one-year, $5 million deal and see what he can do for you. I'd be absolutely interested in kicking the tires there. Is that price point going to be enough to get a deal done? I don't know. That goes back to name your price tool. The Dolphins have to be able to do that. They have to be comfortable and capable of doing that. But if I'm the Dolphins... A veteran, experienced, standout pass rusher might be the happy medium I need to get an upgrade to win some one-on-ones, but not break the bank for one or do anything that's going to crush my hopes of fulfilling all the needs on my roster. Another name to watch? Dolphins have shown they're comfortable with taking some risks on some players. Alden Smith. Because of his risks, he's going to not command a very high price amount. Now, of course, there's risk involved with Alton Smith's off-the-field and discipline, but at the same time, if you can get him focused and you can keep him on the straight and narrow, he's got plenty of physical tools to work with. You just don't want to put all your eggs in that basket. If you're looking for your sports gambling fix, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football season may be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are all in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality television with real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds and is the best way to place your bets, plus, it's free to sign up. So, head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts promo code LOCKED ON.
0: Hey guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors, moments, and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former SportsCenter anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier.
1: The blacklist group for linebackers is fairly straightforward because there's not a lot of guys that get paid. (laughs) Uh, The guy's on the market. Quan Alexander's been cut by the Saints. $13.5 million annual average salary, but he's a street-free agent. He can sign anytime he'd like. Levante David going back to Tampa Bay. K.J. Wright, his annual average salary on his last year was $7 million. Christian Kirksey, he was cut by the Packers. He can sign whenever he wants. His annual average salary on his last deal was six and a half. Devondre Campbell, annual average salary of $6 million. Everybody else is below six. So you're not going to break the bank per se. And and I'm looking here at the top linebackers available. And on the list, at the top of the list, I see three Miami Dolphins. Lo and behold, I see Camus Grugier-Hill. I see Elan and Roberts, and I see Vince Beagle. What do you think the Dolphins paid for those three players combined last year? Any ideas? It's over $7 million. $7.133 million for Roberts, Beagle, and Grugier Hill. Not bad value when you take into account special teams and what Elena Roberts gave you down the stretch. But if they were willing to invest that in those three players, I'm willing to invest in, say, Denzel Perryman, bring him back to Miami. He played at the University of Miami. He's getting set to hit free agency. His annual average salary on his last year was $5.55 million. You want to an kneel in and Roberts type? Bring Denzel Perryman into the fray, and let's draft a coverage linebacker on day two, and let's roll with the linebacker group. I don't have a lot of blacklist candidates here because nobody gets paid. All these linebackers, $3 million and down, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, $3 million. Gerard Davis, under $3 million. Tahir Whitehead, $2.5 million. Ruben Foster, $2.2 million. This is a position group in which the Dolphins should have zero issues finding players to step into that room. It's just finding the right ones to complement what you already have and how you complement that with the draft. I think you have better options on day two of getting a coverage linebacker between Baron Browning from Ohio State and Jabril Cox from LSU. You can get one of those guys on day two. So I'd rather get a plug, an early down plug, guy who can serve as a quarterback of your defense. I think Denzel Perryman, even him, and he was 5.5 for his last contract, would be a, an addition that I'd be interested in at least considering. Of course, the question will be how much of an upgrade... The Dolphins think Denzel Perryman is over the likes of Elon Roberts, who is hurt, and what Raquan McMillan was in 2019. In the cornerback room, we're looking for a nickel corner. So with the, the amount of dollars the Dolphins have invested, plus Noah Igbenogany, I'm blacklisting any outside cornerback who makes more than like $2 million. It just does not make sense. Financially speaking, the Dolphins are maxed out in the secondary. You shift your eyes towards nickel corners, and I think there's some interesting conversations to be had. Mackenzie Alexander from Cincinnati. Brian Poole from the New York Jets. Alexander four million dollars on his last deal. Brian Poole average annual average salary was five million dollars. Fairly easily digestible figures. In a perfect world, you would still find somebody in the draft late on day two or early on day three. But I don't see any back-breaking opportunities to spend here because the Dolphins are so invested in the cornerback room as a whole. So the good news for Miami is you're going to have to show more restraint on the defensive line, but the Dolphins did invest heavily in that group last offseason, so they shouldn't be in a position to go nuts. You have a fair amount of flexibility based on the economics of the linebacker position, but also the current investment in economics of your salary cap and your roster, the way it's existed, it's going to protect you from getting too crazy. I think yeah. dolphins just, unless they uproot and get rid of Bobby McCain or something like that, uh, pretty straightforward. I think you're going to see a lot of status quo with a couple added rotational pieces. And then we'll see what the draft brings as far as value. That's going to do it for us today on the show. I hope you guys enjoyed the blacklist episode on the defensive side of the football. A little overdue, but all good things to those who wait. We have one more show this week, tomorrow. And I'm going to tell you right now you're going to want to catch this one because it is a pre-free agency seven-round mock draft for your Miami Dolphins. I'm going to pick a handful of players that I think the Dolphins will sign, and then we're going to do the draft. And we'll do all seven rounds. We'll talk about the picks I made, why I made the picks I made, what the outcome would look like. Should be a good time. So keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. Thanks as always for listening. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. Hope to talk to you guys again tomorrow.
0: Hey, Prime members. You can
1: listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.